Welcome to the Beer in a Movie podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I'm Ethan Thompson and with me today are David Gurney and Carlos Cooper. And we're here to uh, talk, I don't know, maybe talk beer and movies, something like that. Generally. That would be yeah. the title of the We've got program. Widows on board today. We're going to talk about Widows. We sure are. Yeah. But first, as we are wont to do. But first. We've got a beer. What is it? This is um, from a brewery that has been spoken of on this podcast before. That's Prairie right. Artisan Ales. We had the birthday bomb. I believe we had. We, we definitely had one of the bombs. One of the bombs for on sure. our bomb episode. Yes, that's episode. right. That's right. That's right. So um, yeah, but I think you're right. I think it was a birthday bomb. This one is the double dunk. It is an imperial stout brewed with Oreo. Um, <laughs> it is clocking it at eleven point nine percent. Uh, a hearty ABV. Did I hear your, this is a beer brewed with Oreo? Yes. Yeah. Th- this is, I think, so this is uh, a purist. W- one of the, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's part of that new wave of pastry stouts. Okay. You know? Although I don't think Oreo quite counts as a pastry. I guess it's saving time to have your beer and Oreos together. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I don't, I've, I've never thought of them as, I don't know. I but, mean, but it, I, but it is, it is a trend to to do these sort of I cake and pie. And, it's a, a sign of the the general evolution of our world that these things are happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have it open now. Carlos is going to pour us some in our glasses. Thank you, sir. Getting excited for this. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love Prairie for for uh, what they do with these imperial stouts um it seems like the right time of the year for it also here we are a couple weeks before christmas i know right and it's even slightly chilly here in south slightly chilly it might be in the 60s yeah right now yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) mid-60s we've had some some cooler days we did here yeah and and the rest of the country's been like frigid so yeah we're we're definitely in wintertime uh at this point so you know what better to do in wintertime than pour yourself some Hefty dark beer, like an imperial stout, and you know it is just dark. A L- little bit of like a a brown sort of um, you know highlight to it on the on the edge. Maybe there. it's my imagination, but I can kind of smell the Oreos, the sweetness. Yeah, yeah. There's something creamy Did in you the get nose. The, yeah, yeah. The creaminess. Yeah, not not like a dairy creaminess though. Like the uh, what is that now? Is, oh, or, whatever. Is, is Oreo filling vegetable oil based or how, does I don't, anybody I, know? This? I have never you, you don't researched. Wanna... I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy. No, you know you do know that Hydrox is the original though, right? I don't know what that is either. Ooh, see the, the Hydrox. When I was a kid growing up, I always thought it was the knockoff version, like the the, the cheapo. Yeah, it was. I think I can't remember the name of the manufacturer but whatever it wasn't the the real deal i thought oreo was a real deal i read a few years ago that hydrox was actually in the marketplace well before oreo and oreo kind of copied hydrox because hydrox sounds like something you use to clean your bathroom it does they they definitely didn't have the marketing thing down on that yeah oreo has a nice milk sort of rolling feel to it it's like a round cookie oreo oh yeah it's got that yeah Yeah. so well let's not belabor that too much i've already (laughs) gone too far i let's uh you know start sipping on this and start talking about widows widows so widows is a um uh latest movie from academy award winning director i guess the second movie i should say 
right? From Academy Award winning mm, director Steve false. McQueen. The second. What are you talking fourth. about? This really? Is his fourth. Yeah. All right. Ooh, that. this you're going to learn some oh, stuff shit. in this episode. Yeah, shame, of course. And even before. And that. hunger. Yeah, hunger. I don't even know what that is. Oh. Ooh, we, we, will, we will teach you, young Padawan. No. Yeah, so fourth, fourth movie from Steve McQueen, and it is a heist film of yeah. sorts. Yeah, yeah. One that I was not expecting from him. I mean, I... I Nor I. I didn't really hear much about it before it came out. I remember hearing that he was working on an HBO series for a little while. Interesting. A few years back, and then it ended up getting uh, canceled. But um, but then when, when I saw the trailer for this, it was sort of like, wow, this is Steve McQueen's next film? It, it didn't seem like the logical choice. But My, my favorite rumor surrounding uh, director Steve McQueen was that he was working on a musical starring Michael Fassbender, who has been in who has been in all three of his prior all three of his prior films. films. And yeah. there I don't think that there's anything I want more than a Steve McQueen directed Michael Fassbender starred musical because I don't I can't even begin to imagine what that would be like. Yeah. Well, well so shall we talk about what this movie is about? Yeah, let's let's you know we're we're getting kind of ahead of ourselves yeah. here. What's the basic I'm premise? I'm dying to say what I thought about this film. The basic premise is that a group of widows of uh, gangster uh, bank robbers, basically heist guys. They all get killed, and the widows get together to pull off a heist in order to, you know, not be broke. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to, yeah. right? Yeah, they're 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 to pay off some debts, and it's the, yeah, incredibly more complicated than that. Right, but that is the that's the, the basic, genre. Right, these women who were never intending to be criminals are kind of lulled into or whatever. They're brought into a life of crime because they're husbands and partners have all been killed and they yeah, were they, were in, they, the they were in the midst of a heist and they all ended up getting killed very quickly in or the film. did they or did they yeah uh i thought this was a terrible movie Ooh. i hated it i hated it Whoa. so much <laughs> <laughs> this, this was this this is the biggest cinematic disappointment for me of 2018 Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. i thought it was excruciatingly boring <laughs> And I had to, I had a feeling you had something oh, like that, but I didn't realize that you were. Oh gonna my go god! This far. I thought it was awful. I now, thought the oh. script was terrible. It was <laughs> so. It was. Christ. It is the kind of thing that happens when someone wins an Academy Award for Best Director because there was a really good script that you made that film out of. Fuck. Out and of then here. you 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 uh, you you ha- you happen to make a movie before this that really fit a slow paced. Uh, ponderous visual style and then you try to apply that to a heist film and it's a terrible mismatch oh wow Um, i thought uh yeah and that's just what i thought about his direction um i thought it was a terrible miscasting up and down the entire thing viola davis all right explain to me explain to me this is so ridiculous to me why it is viola davis if she's such hot shit she turns to these widows who have no experience doing this kind of thing rather than hiring some people that might actually have the skills necessary to pull off a because high. She has no she's no she has no um she does they're not friends. They don't even know each other, really. No. So why is it she goes to them? Because they're in the same dire straits that she is. First of all, she's not hot shit. She point blankly states in the film that she doesn't own any of the things that her husband had acquired in his Nor lifetime. does she have the connections. Nor does she well, have she knows one guy to go to, right? She knows the one but guy. But why does she go to, like, the least capable people around? Because I don't think she's... She's not part of that 
world. I she, mean, she's not part. She of- was married to somebody who was part of that world, the, the uh, Liam Neeson character, um, and knew that okay, there are these other guys on his squad, but they're all dead. And so, who, who's she going to reach out to? Well, the partners of those those guys. I don't know. I don't. I didn't find it that big of a leap. It di- it didn't I bother didn't me. I, you know, I. Mm. I didn't find it that big of a leap. You're reaching out to people who are in as dire straits as you are. Uh, John Bernthal's wife, Alice, has absolutely nothing, has never worked, anything like that, does not know what she's going to do, is like... Has a mother is, who is trying to push her into prostitution. Into sex yeah, work, which, yeah. Which seemed, uh, seemed promising. And then... <laughs> She, yeah, I mean, she was, she was, she was making all right money. I that mean, guy sex work, okay. is, sex work is not to be frowned upon. No, but I, and then, but, but and being forced into it by your mother. Being forced yeah, into no, it no. by your that mother that was unsavory for sure. Yeah. Although, and that actress is great. Um, what is her name? She was in uh, uh, which one? The, the Australian the, film. Um, Alice or the mom? The mom. The mom. The mom. Uh, the mom seemed familiar, but uh, I don't. I couldn't. All right. And then, okay, so you have that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez, whose husband lost absolutely everything, who's gambled away everything, gambled away yeah. everything, whose mother-in-law hates her guts, blames her for her son's death, right? Has absolutely nothing to fall back on. Doesn't know what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you reach out to the most desperate people to do one of the most desperate things you can, which is try to rob, you know, a right. prominent politician slash. Well, and these I don't. I don't. And, and I what don't, drives put an her? Ad on, on you know, Craigslist or what drives her? You know, yeah, with, that would be a fantastic <laughs> idea. <laughs> and Silk Road. What drives her into it is that uh, Manning, you know, Jamal Manning, the the character who's running for alderman, mm-hmm. is coming after her because the heist that went wrong is one that was stealing from him. From him, right? This money that he had gotten illicitly was going to be using in his campaign and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so if she knows that the only other people who she can really put pressure on to help her based on that are the people who he would come after next, the other spouses of the guys in the heist, right? I mean, it may so there's some logic there. I mean, that's what she essentially pitches to. Yeah, them. maybe so. <laughs> and But I, okay, but going back to some of your other, you, you know, the, your other points, like in terms of plausibility, I mean, honestly, I think in terms of plausibility, this is one of the most plausible heist films I've ever seen in my <laughs> life because things aren't all cool and smooth and like everything runs like clockwork. I mean, there are moments where things are, are clicking, but it's a lot of fucking stopping and starting in in this heist plan as it, it takes unfolds. a long time to now get you, to the action. Y- you call yeah. that like a slow pace. I thought it was, was re- yes. Now, I didn't really feel that it was a slow pace because I felt like it was paying off every time they were hitting these obstacles. I thought Viola Davis was wonderful. I mean, I thought the the scenes of her just brooding, I was enjoying watching those. I yeah. mean, like that, you know, just her staring oh, out the window. Like Steve Steve McQueen's great at lingering on emotion in, sure. that, in that way mm-hmm. and giving it to you just visually mm-hmm. in what some would consider a slow pace, sure. Right. Um, He's but, so brilliant when there's people talking in a car, but he doesn't let you see them. You just look at the outside, the windshield. Uh-huh. He's just... I, I like that. No, but like okay, but indulgent. but one of those scenes I loved where uh, you have the alderman, well, the, the candidate for alderman, right? But part of Colin Farrell, part of the yeah. subplot of this film here, that's kind of the backdrop for this heist, is that you have this race for alderman in this. Uh, Which ward. what the fuck is that? What do you mean? What's an alderman? 
they are these essentially it's, it's like, like city council city council members, member, but they're basically. really powerful in Chicago. Yeah. Like that—that oh, that is okay. a thing. Like in Chicago, aldermen's like run their wards, and like mm. they sort of control what development happens there. And if you want anything, then you really have to work with the alderman and essentially pay off the alderman. So, um, and I actually thought Colin Farrell right was quite good yes. and menacing. Okay, and see, good casting. Great. Yeah, so no, Colin, I, I actually think it would have been a lot Robert better. And Robert Duvall. And, yeah, well, that, and that was surprising to see him. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I have a whole alternate cast. I think they should have shuffled the cast around. Well, well we can get well, to your alternate casting, but I, w- I wanted to point out, so the, the sequence there where you have him at this campaign event and he's like, you know, parading these uh, black entrepreneurs who he's helped, who you later Very find out that he's like, essentially making him pay them extorting yeah extorting money from them but anyway you know and he leaves that event gets into the car with his now that was his wife slash campaign manager i don't know if they were yeah that was ambiguous yeah but anyway like his whoever his campaign manager maybe his wife they get in and they take that drive from that location to where he is and you see and it's like a, a a continuous shot of them as they're driving through the streets. You're not really watching them. You're seeing the streets. You're seeing what they're passing by. And you see that kind of gentrification that's gone on in that area as you're going through it. I mean, I just thought that was a, an amazing shot that captured this really interesting narrative of this kind of development that goes on in a city like Chicago. And and, and it wasn't flashy about it. It wasn't showy about it. It just no. like it was there. It was part of the the. How fabric is it of not story. showy about it? Well, hold on, hold on. There's, there's because I don't think most people that stands out to me, and I think probably you because we watch a lot of films and we've been taught to think about films in certain ways. I think your typical audience member is just listening to the conversation and hopefully they're getting an experience out of it. But I don't think they're thinking like. Oh wow! I can't believe they're just like letting us see the neighborhood no, I, I as think we're they're, going by. No, I definitely think they're not doing that. I think they're going. Why? Why aren't you why showing aren't me Colin Farrell? Why? Aren't, why aren't I getting shot like, reverse shot of him? Um, in the, yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate that, but then it just kept going and going. And you know what? I didn't pick up on what you're saying. I mean, I did. I knew the idea about gentrification and so forth, but I didn't. I got caught into. Oh God, this is an indulgent director who's doing this, and this is this overtly. Uh, artistic th- the choice that he's made to force hmm. me not to see okay. the character. So maybe I should have been just looking out at the at the what they're driving through to enjoy that. But for me, I was like, oh god. Well, yeah. there's I mean, there's the showing of the gentrification, but then there's also the idea that you're not seeing them talk about these things because so many of what this guy's family as the aldermans of this ward from generations have been doing is like backdoor shady like you know not mm-hmm. backdoor behind closed doors yeah shady kind of business that most people don't see and that most people aren't allowed to see so he's talking about all these things and we're not allowed to see him in that same way and also we're seeing him go from the real part of his ward to his on the very right. line of the ward like hyper gentrified i i that was one of the scenes that stood out to me that one and the scene in the diner at the very end, the mirror shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, also, okay, Colin Farrell, nine times out of 10, is unwatchable in whatever <laughs> he's in. I, I find him very difficult to watch. Fantastic in this movie. Um, the star of Get Out, whose last name I can never remember. Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I knew his first name was Daniel. I can never remember his last and name. And I may be not pronouncing it entirely so, correctly. But. So good in this movie. Yeah. I oh, thought. Yeah. Um, well, him and the, uh, and I'm trying to remember, uh, Brian, Brian, Brian Tyree Tyree. Henry. 
like as the brothers there. Great. So they they were great. Yeah, absolutely. The only miscasting that I will agree, or the only thing that I'll agree with you as far as miscasting goes is Liam Neeson should never be in another yes. movie ever Excuse again. me. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was going to say. It, Liam Neeson, I, I felt like, I don't know, it was just, it began to be a parade of famous actors and he, he, I don't know. he, he seemed too old for the part to I, me. I don't disagree with you. I don't think that Liam Neeson was the best casting choice there. I didn't, it didn't take me out of it. Luckily, he wasn't as much of an on-screen presence. I mean, yeah. he, he was there in the beginning um, and then there are those little flashback parts. And then once, spoiler alert, you realize he's actually still alive. You get a few more scenes with him. And what a twist. Yeah. Still still alive with one of the other guys. Now, did you see wives. that coming? Did that feel like a no. predictable twist? No. But twist and their son was killed by police. Ooh. I mean, it's just like piling on okay, but, and on but, but and on. When it comes to that part, you're missing the whole fucking point of the movie if you have contention with their son being killed by the police. Because what this movie is about, it's not about a heist. It's about the toll that grief and loss takes on relationships. Mm-hmm. And I the think- heist is a vehicle to demonstrate those things. Because they come together via the grief and loss over their partners. And then the thing that made... They Viola- come together over being broke. Which, they, which, need, which wouldn't have happened if, but they, it's not if, grief. It's they need money. You okay? So you think so that they're, that's, they're, no, 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 they're, no. they're like psychologically need to be no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before either one of you guys say anything, Ethan, you're so <laughs> fucking wrong. Because these normal ass people that weren't in this whole life of organized crime themselves wouldn't do something as extreme as this if they weren't totally like trying to cope with this thing this terrible thing that has happened with them. One, two, if they were normal, they wouldn't be married to people like this Two, (laughs) They're uh, not normal to start with Two, Uh, the entirety of this whole like notebook heist, fake death situation is over this guy who can't deal with the fact that their son has died and been killed. And that, and he's been shot by police because he's a black guy and white in a nice car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a real fucking thing. Yes, check your privilege. Yeah, God. yeah. Just pile on. Like, what else can we throw in for 2018? Social. I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, it just. I don't know that. Why? Why does that have? You want to, more white that, people in it? <laughs> oh no, no. I think Colin Farrell should have been the uh, Liam Neeson character. I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I don't, really like I don't that. know. That would anybody. I don't think that would have worked with Viola Davis. I mean, no, I think definitely you, not. But I didn't think you she need should somebody be there closer either. to her age to make it work. And Liam they're not Neeson, that different in age. Colin Farrell and Viola Davis. I don't think they're. That oh, yeah, you might be right. Just, she's she's been around a while. I thought she was closer to Liam Neeson's age. Yeah. But that's anyway. But but you know, going back, I I don't love the casting choice of Liam Neeson. I do. I think you're onto something, Carlos. I do think that this is a film that's a lot about grief, but I think also about um, about patriarchy, right? I mean, you have these women, they're left in these desperate circumstances because they haven't been allowed to really take control of their lives, right? They've been dependent on men throughout their lives. As yeah, the, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I get that that's what it's supposed to be. Right. But, you know, okay, so, so she finds out that Liam Neeson is actually still alive. Right. And it kind of shocks her for about 30 seconds. No. And then she just goes on with stuff. No, no she doesn't just go on I, with stuff. She kills the motherfucker. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, but, you know. Yeah, not... I don't know. Like, 
brings herself together. She doesn't bang on the mm. door. You motherfucker. What are you doing? Well, I what is she going to do? Because, because I think bang on the door. You she, she's that what if she has already grieved the loss of their relationship. <laughs> the, like, I think that the death of their son was a profound sort of change in their life. And obviously then you kind of find out, oh yeah, they've, you know, he, they had drifted apart. I think like she was grieving his loss. Yes. His physical being was supposedly gone, but then when it came back, I think, I, I didn't find it hard to buy that, okay, well, he wasn't even really there to begin with for the last whatever years of their marriage. I think I also think that if that a lot of it is cost-benefit analysis on her part of like, okay, so if I do bang on this door and see this person, what it, what is this going to do for me? Is it going right. to get me he's, out of my current situation? He's made situation? a choice. He's already separated. Like yeah. He is, right, exactly. He's pursuing this other life. What am I going to gain by trying to pull him back and, in? And already it, knowing this is a guy who's willing to kill off three of his close associates yeah. in order to get himself. Yeah, you know, and, into- and, and also... I think a bit of denial of this person that you trusted so much and you let so close to you would do something like this. Not only do something like this, but go and start this whole other life with a whole other family. Like that's not something that's easy to admit to yourself. And she wasn't forced to face it. Like, like she wasn't forced to like face him face to face about it and definitively acknowledge the fact that this is her situation. So I don't think that it's like a very far fetched idea that she would see pretty solid proof that this is the case but then stop herself and say i'm not subconsciously obviously she's not saying this to herself directly but say i can't deal with this like i can't look this man in the face and acknowledge that this is the case i have to i have to leave right now and continue on with my life the way that it was and try to make the best out of the situation that i'm in yeah like that's not a far-fetched no i just think it'd be easier to Rather than going through the elaborate heist and just actually be like, give me some money. Presuming <laughs> Go that straight it, to him. Presuming that if he you're going to pull any, off. I which mean, he clearly he, didn't have any. Why because, not? Because she, cause he tried to rob he her at the end. That was the whole well, thing. Well, at that point, he, he has would, no money. He planned, he planned that entire thing to kill, the, to kill all his other people. Right, no, he, he had he money should, someplace. He, no, he gave the money to jack mulligan all the money he had he gave to jack mulligan and his whole goal was that she was going to sell this book not do the heist herself jack mulligan keeps the money so now he's even in more debt with jack mulligan because he's the one that planned the heist of that guy's safe mm-hmm. first and then second he show, why would he show up to rob his own wife of the millions of dollars that she's just stolen, who's he giving it to? What's he doing with it? He needs money, clearly. Otherwise, why would you I, out yourself? Yeah, you've you've already successfully faked your death. Why would you show up then, to steal the money did back? Did he fake his death it? just to get away from his wife? Yes, to start a yeah, whole to, new life to start with this new, new family. Life. Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, uh, excuse me. You're telling me <laughs> this whole guy the movie? Who's, fuck you. I, I did. I suffered through it. Um, this guy wow. is not... You're saying he... You, no one in this movie cares about money. All they care about is dealing with their grief and starting no, their new family. Okay, well, that, that either. Yeah, that is exactly what you said because I just said <laughs> well, he no. would think about the money. He's got a plan for money. He's not just doing it to get away from his wife. And you said, yes, he is. No, I said... He's doing it in part to, first of all, the thing I said right before that is he showed up there, outed himself as still being alive because he needed money. So obviously money was important to him at this time. Wait, how did he out himself? He showed up and looked her in the face and no, said, she, she I'm she already alive. knew he was alive. He, how does so he, he know outing himself then. He doesn't know that for right. sure. Right. 
Right, but he and he shows does, up and, there. He and, she, and she doesn't even know it for sure. The only thing that we know from that scene in the apartment is that his flask is there and that she, this woman, Amanda, is in some way involved with either his death or whatever happened after so that. So now you're One. changing. So now you're no, saying... No, I'm not changing. Nothing I've said has changed. <laughs> yeah, the way yeah, you've yeah, interpreted yeah. what I'm saying has changed. What so I'm you're saying, saying now that she didn't realize that was him. No, So she no. didn't leave because... No, no, she no, no, she no, no, no. he's saying that... I'm saying what she the knew it was him, but he didn't necessarily know that she knew yeah. that he was alive. That's, okay, him that, showing up post okay, heist okay. when she has the money was him outing him his so, presence to her like in a definitive way. Like yes. he could have skipped town. Him, he and Carrie Coons, whatever her uh, Amanda, Amanda Nunn, that they could have left. Okay, and right? also, and, and even she says that like you know why do you need to stick around? You know like. He could have left, yeah. but yes. he wanted to take that money, I think, probably he, he, for that parachute so that they could go off somewhere yes. and set up and he, live someplace. Okay, and, he needed the money to what I was saying was that what the filmmaker showed us only definitively proved a, to a certain amount of suspect of whether he was or was not alive. That scene did not definitively show us at that point in the film that he was 100% still alive. That's not what happened in that scene. Later on, we find out that she knows that and et cetera, et cetera, but in that moment. So he definitely needed the money is what I'm saying. And it is definitely a movie about grief. It's not just about grief. It's not just about money. It's an inner connection of the two things and yes he did leave his wife a for money and b because he wanted to get away from her and start a new life with his nice white family and there is a scene in the film where it is it is stated that i think it's him that says it's him or her that says i don't want your biggest regret in life is to have a baby with me or that I had a baby with you or something like that. Very clearly stating that Liam Neeson up until that point has expressed some kind of regret that he had a child with a black woman who was, who created a black baby who was then treated as a violent quote unquote black male and was unjustly killed by the police. And he thinks in his mind, if I had just married a nice white woman, that would have never happened. A white kid is never going to get pulled over in a Benz and shot by a cop because they think he stole the car. That would never happen if he was white. And yeah, that's all obvious. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. So obviously he feels like he made the wrong decision marrying Viola Davis. Well, that's what all she, of these things that's are what she th- a, She's the one yeah, who says it. And she, I think that's her reading into it. But but probably... But then he leaves her for a white woman. Right. No, I mean, that, right. I mean, her reading into it, he seems to just prove that. Yes. Well, that's, well, that's <laughs> or what do, I'm saying is it's or about do all of these least, things. Yeah, it's like yeah, infinitely yeah. more complex than yeah. just... We're doing this heist because we need money. It's infinitely right. more complex than just being like, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to marry a white woman. There's right. a lot of layers to all of this, and all of these things are playing out. Yeah, at the same I don't, time. I, I don't disagree with you saying that. There's a lot of layers to it. Obviously, you have I disagreed. Mean, no, prior. Here's, here's my podcast. point. There are too many layers to it. It doesn't, it doesn't work as a. I was hoping to have an enjoyable, well-made heist film. Mm. And instead, I absolutely. That's what I mean when I said, oh, and by the way, their son was shot by white cops. It was just another layer, another layer, another layer, another layer. And I mean, it's clear that it's about grief and that that's motivating them. They have to have money, yes, but they're also dealing with the loss losses of their husband. That's it takes a long loss time. Of their for, life. Yes, mm-hmm. they need money. Yes, and their mm-hmm. lives weren't very good beforehand either, which is they one of the things I liked right. about it. Yeah, R- right. It's not a fair. But for tale. me, it was just like as a enjoy. I was looking forward to a well made enjoyable heist film that had substance to it not which it, uh, did. it had 
attempt for me it the substance didn't work it mm. just was like layer after layer that was like just too much stuff i was hoping for something that was like a more substantive you know oceans 11 well-made film fun film mm. not much see it's funny you bring that up stuff. because you, yeah, i really McQueen, think of it i think of it as well no but i think, i'm not saying he is i said no, more than that no, i'm hoping for more than I th- that and i it, thought that, of this film work as in comparison films. to oceans eight which was out this summer i went to go see good movie. um i thought it was okay it was fun. i i mean it was similar, right? It was like the whole idea, right? Well, it was it's women this it time. Was, it was, it was, not it was but it was. Bree- oh, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. It was, it, but it was, <laughs> it was like breezy and vapid and sort of like thin and wispy, and I didn't give a shit about any of the characters. Right. And it's like, hey, it's Danny Ocean's sister. Hey, You're like I'm like, who the fuck <laughs> cares? That was great. The, yeah, just thank you. I, I mean. I just didn't care about any of those characters in any real way. These characters I cared about. And I know you. it sounds like you think it was putting it on too thick and it was like putting too many yeah, social absolutely. issues into these things. But that, I don't know, it worked for no, me. I, mean, it, I thought, yeah. okay, so we're, we're focusing a lot on the the uh, Liam Neeson, Viola Davis, which is is probably the most central relationship. But I thought the um, Elizabeth Debicki, you know, Alice, Alice and John Burns. She character. to me was one of the standout characters. Fantastic. She did an amazing job of showing this character who was essentially like I don't know what you'd call like she's kind of a trophy wife and like I mean she's just kind of like a kept woman like this guy this guy is like you know, going and taking out his aggression on between his jobs or whatever. And then like, oh, yeah, she's kind of like a frightened, like beat. Right. Yeah. And, and her mom obviously was like very controlling in her life and, you know, has been physically abusive to her as well. And you see like this subtle kind of change. It's not like when she shows up in one scene, she's like, I'm a woman. Listen, you know, like, but you see this kind of evolution of the character by the end of the film, she's in charge. She's like doing what she wants to do and she's making decisions and she's making moves. And I thought that was a really interesting. Can you guys explain to me your reading there uh, of what, what goes on with what Viola Davis. Okay. So I don't, at some point this character that we're talking about right now, Mm -hmm. she like gets left behind right in the heist because she gets shot or something Uh and they go on. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so what are are we supposed to not left behind, but no, they bring her to the hospital. Okay. They do the hospital. No, Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez brings her to, well, she she brings her to the, she makes sure somebody. Yeah. She doesn't actually go into the hospital, but on the sidewalk there. But my reading of that and explain to me if I'm wrong, but my reading was that she was because of that, she kind of got left behind and didn't get a cut of the money. And no, that's I why, think she so got a cut. So why is Viola Davis like... No, she got a cut. I think she got a cut. Okay. Yeah. There's so that why, scene at the diner at the end of it. Yeah, that's where, what I'm talking about. So why is it... Why is there like this weird distance between Viola Davis and her? Well, I Because th- they committed a felony together. I think it's more just like they, their relationship's not going to continue. They're not going to be like best friends now. Yeah. They accomplish okay, this so thing. The, they're moving on. But, they st- but she's still... I mean, that scene on the sidewalk there outside the diner where she's like, you know, essentially, okay. are you okay? Yeah. Are we, you know, like... And they were, and like they, two things. One, they committed a felony together, <laughs> and the whole like thing with it was that they were like, "We're gonna do this, and then we're done. We're going our separate ways." And two, right. the, two, the reason for that was because they were the most unlikely set of safe robbers that you could have imagined. Nobody was. They were specifically trying to come off 
as men robbing this house so that nobody would expect it was them. And part of that would be not to incriminate themselves and continue to fucking powwow together as the widows of former organized crime, like bank robber heist people. Like that would no see, no that, that I, that's that's all fine. I'm just saying yeah, she got a she got a cut though. But, but wh- because you know, you know Michelle that? well you know Michelle Rodriguez did because she's opening her shop again. Right. You see but that? Didn't she leave her? But she brought her there. All right. I don't, well, I don't, that, I don't think that, I don't think it's not that important. I didn't interpret it as that. No, I thought yeah. she. I I interpreted it as like oh well shit she's. She's shot, and now we've got to go do this, and then... Okay, so the, the way you know that they all got a cut is the movie ended with Viola Davis with all the money. Like, the heist ended, I should say, uh-huh. with Viola Davis with all the money, and then you know for sure that the hairstylist got a cut. Right. Because she gives her boss a bunch of money. Yeah, you know right. that Michelle Rodriguez got... You know Michelle Rodriguez got a cut because yeah. she got her shot back, mm-hmm. and then you see Alice living... A somewhat she happy, like, comfortable life, and she seems okay and not super distraught and down on her luck. Right. So, and she if sees, the first two definitively we've seen and proven right. that they've gotten their cut, it follows logically that the third well, also but, got that. Okay, but well, the, and the, the reason it's not, I'm saying it's not so logical, is because the others got away while she was stuck and got shot and was at the hospital. Right. And but, it's possible, and she is the one that did have another route, which was being a kept woman or whatever. Right. But that's fine. I, yeah. I, th- no, I, th- I, 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 didn't, I didn't think there was ambiguity, but I understand where you're coming from. It may, I, I mean, I, 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 I think it was trying to make it clear, but, the, but well, yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I, I can understand where you're coming from, that you feel, I mean, it sounds like what, what you're saying is like it was just piling too many of these social issues onto these well, characters. Well, it wasn't just social issues. Really. It was like trying to layer on as many different themes as you could. Yeah. And at the same time, this ponderous, and I, I don't know, I just like, maybe I just don't like Viola Davis. Huh. I just found her yeah. just not, I, I like her in other things going way back to Passion Fish and, you know, yeah. all but the stuff this she's role. done in the last 25 years. But, um, and this, I've just like I wanted Michelle Rodriguez, yeah, and I, uh, and the the other actress that we were just talking about, um, that, that Cynthia Erivo. Yeah, like I, you know, maybe I just wanted to have more more of them compelling action yeah. in this movie, and I wanted I was hoping to have this real because I love uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Uh-huh. Depth to a movie like this, but instead it just felt forced to me yeah. every it, little well, bit. It's a, it's a it's a tough movie to market because it is a quote unquote heist film, but it's also like not at well, the same time. And, and apparently, it yeah. is it is a uh, remake of a British series from yeah. the eighties. And I can imagine, it was, and it's probably like a six episode, as British series tend to be like shorter in, in length or whatever. But it, you know, I'm sure like over an episodic series, you develop each of these characters and do that. I mean, then you try to adapt that into oh, a film. It's such a better f- television series. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, I, would agree. I could see this being a yeah. television series for sure. But, but I think what get, what got accomplished with this was satisfying to me. I mean, I really thought it was, uh, I don't know. It, it as far as heist films go, it did something different than most of them do. Like most of them are about that kind of breezy. I'm seeing this team of experts come together, and everybody has their role, and they do. This was like they were not experts. <laughs> they were like stumbling and trying to figure out how to do this stuff, and like making wrong decisions, and then stuff goes wrong during it. I mean, I liked it. I don't know. It, it, I'm it, curious it just, when you guys saw it. Uh, how how busy was the theater? 
actually fairly busy. Mine I was, was kind of surprised. Busy, yeah. Mine yeah. was packed too. Yeah. And um, I mean, I saw it, I don't know, seven o'clock or nine o'clock yeah. even. And uh, there's people all around me. Yeah. And so maybe yeah. there, there, the guy next to me was definitely checking checking his phone quite a bit huh. 30 minutes in or so uh-huh. there's a lot but it was i had a heavy breather heavy breather near me That's all. I mean, like it was definitely like my read was that a lot of the people there were there to see a heist movie yeah not a steve mcqueen movie and no, it, it I wouldn't have been in no you're right and, it, and i don't think and it hasn't been marketed as a steve mcqueen movie no, i think it would be wrong yeah. to do that and we'll get into that in the second half of this episode but we should probably Speak a little bit to this beer we've been drinking, um, and and then uh, and then we'll kind of switch over. But you know, this double dunk. What do we think? I think it's great. I mean, I it is sweet as all get out. I, I mean, I am again. I've, I've my mouth. I'm like parched after drinking this because there's yeah. so much you know sort of sugar in my mouth. But it's tasty. I mean, I oh, it's great. Yeah, I think it's. Great. I really do enjoy sipping on it. It was. Just what I needed to get through Ethan's hot takes. <laughs> I think you might need another one. <laughs> I think I might. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. So so Prairie uh, living up to their reputation with with these uh, heavier uh, imperial stouts. That, that you know, again, this this could fit in the bomb series. Although the bombs tend to have like chilies incorporated, and yeah. and they get a little bit of that kind of spice element. But um, so yeah, I mean, I, a very enjoyable beer that yeah has helped make this. Rather contentious I what this conversation sugar content on. is, you know, like if you're to look at it, as a yeah. double st- how many double stuffed Oreos equal one of those bottles? Oh, There's got to be a couple of them in there. Oh, probably, probably I a whole so. stack of them. Um, <laughs> so, so we'll take a little quick break here, and we'll come back. We'll open another beer, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more expansively about uh, Steve McQueen and, and those earlier films, and and maybe um, you know how he's established himself as a filmmaker. And, and can we talk about how uh, Ocean's Eight is not a heist movie starring women? I'm curious about that. Oh, I we'll, we'll get <laughs> we'll get there after this. <laughs> him because he has nope. a sense of humor liam neeson every now and then okay right like he's shown that he can have a sense of humor yeah but i just felt like eh, i don't know all right not a fan personally of liam neeson at all uh qui-gon jinn is where i <laughs> this is where God. i yeah that's i mean i'm not i'm not a i mean i know i'm saying I, I liked him as qui-gon jinn right but i but after that you've there's nothing that and I, I mean, I can't. Taken ruined it. Taken yeah. kill. Liam Neeson was canceled after Taken. It's over. That just ruined it for you. It's okay. over. Had a good run, buddy. <laughs> but All right. And we're back from break. Uh, we are going to get into talking about Steve McQueen's filmography. But first, uh, we are going to get our glasses filled again. And this time, we're, we're going to stick with the Imperial Stout, although this one actually is an Imperial Milk Stout. From a Texas brewery. Uh, this is in their limited rotating series. The brewery is called Three Nations, and uh, they are at a Farmer's Branch. Do you guys know where Farmer's Branch is? Not a clue. I feel like it's uh, maybe Dallas area. No? I don't know. Um, but anyhow, they, the Googles. Yeah, I think you're right. We've just started getting them down here in our area, South Texas. Sounds like industrial Houston to me. And I'm going to crack this open. This is their creme brulee edition. 
We're going to hopefully get some notes of creme brulee in there, but we'll see. At the very least, we're going to be drinking some Imperial Stout. And this one actually a little bit lighter in terms of its uh, alcohol content, 8.3%. Lighter. So Farmer's (laughs) Branch. Well, compared to our... uh, Well, I know, but it's that... Yeah. I don't know how many... (laughs) How many people would say an 8.3% beer is light? Yes, I I understand. Farmer's Branch is uh, just up the road from the Gas Monkey Garage, if that means anything to you. I don't. Nothing. Nothing to you guys. Some of our listeners out there, that means Gas gas Monkey Garage, uh, Fast and Loud, very popular Discovery Channel reality show about... uh, car modification in dallas okay yes huh okay yeah so i thought it was near dallas gas monkey garage what's the show is that fast and loud now now that you say the car garage thing i have seen you've heard i've heard of it yeah Yeah, okay you'll see stickers around on the back of pickup trucks around town with a little gas is that what they do they do like truck mods is that their thing all all different kinds of they they go out and they dig up cars from people's backyards Mm -hmm. and then yeah Nice. All right. Okay. So what? There, it there was we go. Uh, cutting edge like ten years ago. Oh, so is <laughs> it, we're it, right on the cutting edge with this show. It's been around for a while. All right. Well, it's Farmers Branch. Come on. Yeah. All right. So no, anyhow, no disrespect it, to our um, Farmers Branch listeners. N- nice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got we got strong strong following. Strong in farmers listenership branch. In, in Farmers Branch. <laughs> Hit us up on social media, Farmers Branch. Um, <laughs> so, but up there, you're you're getting some good beer for sure. I I can tell just by smelling this. Ooh. Yeah, but isn't it? Oh my God! It's it smells like dessert in in a can. Uh, that's that's lovely. All right, that might even top the Oreos in a in a bottle. Yeah, it might. This is, I mean, this is my favorite kind of beer. Well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so so we're we're gonna sip on this dessert while we talk about uh, a filmmaker who I don't know if we'd describe any of his films as dessert films. The these are <laughs> these are heady. Uh, uh, art films for the most part with, with, with maybe the exception of widows and we can kind of work our way back there so why don't we just get straight to the crux of the matter when i think steve mcqueen i think you think michael fassbender schlong <laughs> yeah that's what he's known for prior to 12 years a slave perhaps i would i would say one of his uh most iconic shots so was yes full frontal of michael fassbender his all three of his prior feature length films he did the, we mentioned off mic that he he's had a career even before he was a, a celebrated feature filmmaker um, as a video installation artist and sculptor and I mean so an artist still photographer wasn't he I think so I think he's worked in many media yeah um, a true artist a true artist but um, but in his feature films all three of them before this featured Michael Fassbender yes. in major roles the first two as unquestionably the lead character and then 12 years a slave is a prominent one and yes in the second of those films shame Shame. uh a prominent shot of michael fassbender's manhood uh appears his dong yes his dong all right so i think we're done (laughs) that's it just just kidding just kidding but but no okay so but but seriously i i remember going to see hunger when it first came out not really knowing anything about steve mcqueen as a visual artist or or anything like that and going because at the time I was living in Chicago and I could go see art films on a regular basis. And they were just, and that was one that was being reviewed well in like the Chicago Reader and other stuff. And really just being impressed. It's actually a pretty taut film in terms of uh, um, running time. It's like a 90 minute film. I mean, it's it's not not like super super long, long, but it's, very laser focused. I mean, it it, it depicts it's it's a, a depiction of this sort of hunger strike that was going on um, with these IRA prisoners, and um, well, and it was beyond a hunger strike. They were also like not 
cleaning themselves. They yeah. were just like sort of, it was like a filth strike, Sounds essentially. Great. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Feel good movie. No, not at all. I mean, I, one of the most like, I think famous shots from that movie is just a shot down a hallway and just like, like urine coming from under the door and streaming. Yeah. yeah, Cause they were all, well, and, and the very famous long take of this, um, conversation that goes on between the Fassbender character who he's playing, uh, Bobby Sands is, is the yeah. character's name and a priest who's like trying to kind of convince him to stop this, the strike he's on. And it's like, I don't know, something like 15, 16 minutes unbroken of just them having this kind of back and forth at this table in this prison. And, um, you know, so all one take, really well done. I don't think I had really seen Fastbender in anything before that. I mean, that it was around yeah. the time that Inglorious Bastards yeah, was being made before, or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but it was just like one of those really sort of standout uh, moments. And, and the film as a total, in, in total... No, it wasn't a fun film to watch, but it was a really impressive film, and it did a great job. I think what Carlos was talking about earlier, where McQueen, maybe one of the things he's known for, is really sort of giving you those moments with characters where they're experiencing something and just letting the actor's face kind of tell you a lot, and, and even their body. I mean, like, the the way they're holding themselves sort of tell you a lot about um, the state that they're in. Um, yeah, I think we should... Uh I'm sorry to interrupt you. But no, go ahead. I think that we should fill in our listeners since they did suffer through uh, my argument with you guys <laughs> about that last film that you told me that if I had seen Hunger or Shame, I might not feel that the pace of yeah, this I th- movie I, was as slow as I'm talking right I now. Think, I think if you had seen those two films and going into uh, Widows, knowing it is a Steve McQueen film that you would have had a different set of expectations for what you were going to get out of it. Cause I feel like there were moments of widows that really kind of harken back to the way that he shot some of those earlier movies. And David, I could be totally off base on this. I didn't see 12 years a slave. So I missed the kind of like mainstream step that he took with that from shame. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have that kind of context to it, but, uh, I mean, especially some of the like close-up shots of Viola Davis and uh, mm-hmm. of her like grieving and things like that. Um, especially one of the shots after uh, it's revealed that her son was shot by the police, and there's a shot a kind of quieter, more focused on her mm-hmm. moment. Those things reminded me more of Hunger and Shame than like an Ocean's Eight. Or there's a, no yeah. ab- that. Uh, there's absolutely a lot of that in 12 Years a Slave. Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to get back all over into no, that no, again, no, except no. to say that I felt that it worked really great in 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. It fit okay. Because not most movies fail when they try to take on 12 years or like large amounts of time. It's a yeah. hard thing to do. Yeah. And in that case, I really like that film a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It worked really well. And there were those kinds of, I don't want to say ponderous, but whatever whatever other word you want to use and it wasn't always faces sometimes it would just be landscape or yeah. things of that nature lingering moments li- maybe yeah lingering moments it's that are like horrible and like there's no sense of escape in 12 years a slave right from okay. them and that kind of time it it helps set it make it really feel like it's it's passing in in a way anyway yeah yeah, no, I think I think that did carry over. I mean, that yeah. is something that 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 he's brought through all the films. But yes, the pacing. I mean, it's almost like comparatively again. Like if you look at those, you know, hunger to shame, 
to 12 years a slave to now widows. I mean, they all feel like there's been this kind of, to me at least, thinking back on them, there's been this kind of incremental like acceleration of pacing and like he's more comfortable with like a slightly more lively rhythm to them. I mean, again, I would... I would totally agree that Widows is not a breezy heist film. It's not. It it doesn't bump along. It is not Baby Driver. It is not Ocean's 8. It's not, you know, it's not any of those. But compared to those earlier films, it really is kind of in, injecting more action, putting, putting more out there. Because, um, you know, again, going from hunger to shame, shame is, you know, primarily a movie about a guy who's a sex addict um, trying to deal with that. And you do get moments in that film where there really is some stuff going on. He gets into some contentious things. There's some violence. There's, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there's, there's some stuff going on in there, but, um, but then there are also a lot of just really kind of still moments where it's, you know, you're kind of like trapped with this guy in his, you know, fixation, his compulsion, whatever to like, you know, pleasuring himself essentially so would you say that uh that those films uh well and and i mean shame is is it a character study yeah much greater extent i think so i think both hunger and shame calling them character character studies studies. is is totally appropriate and they really do focus and and it's you know michael fassbender is you know really at the center of both of those um 12 years a slave i think gets a little more complicated in that yes it is a lot about uh, Solomon, right? The main yeah. character, but you also get Michael these, Fassbender. <laughs> you get Michael Fassbender. You get uh, Lupita yeah. Nyong'o, Nyong'o, um, Nyong'o, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know, um, well, and even like some of the other, uh, like Benedict Cumberbatch's character. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. I did and, not know he was in that movie. Is it? Is that who? Paul. Um, Dano? Sideways guy. Paul uh, Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. Yeah. He's in there too. And, uh, well, and even Brad Pitt has yeah. his, 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 his moment. pretty moments. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so like you, I think it, it expands it a little bit and it, it's still very much about Solomon North. Yeah. But, but it, but it, the palette gets, gets sort of stretched out and it's not so laser focused. It's not a character study. I, I guess that maybe that way. that's for me, I'm trying to get at the core of why I had such a negative reaction to a film that I wanted to love so much. Mm. And, that maybe that's just like it was just too there's too many different people to have that kind of character study like that i i needed to care about those people mm-hmm. so it just felt like piling on and piling on to get me to care about all of them yeah um, see i f- i feel like it gave me just enough of each of them to to get into and i again i think it privileges viola davis for sure and you know that if 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 you didn't and it sounds like one of your big problems was that storyline was her and Liam Neeson and their son and they, like that stuff really threw you off because I didn't hear as much resistance to um, the Elizabeth Debicki John Bernthal that, that one you yeah, seem yeah, to like because yeah, you, you yeah. know they and uh, and or Michelle Rodriguez for that matter that you, yeah we don't have to rehash all okay my, but my, I'm just my problems with the film. but I'm saying like <laughs> it, it feels like you you like the one that does get maybe the most focus was problematic but but the others didn't necessarily, I don't know. It, it, it is interesting to see him kind of expand his palette yeah, as a filmmaker, yeah. I think, and kind of try to um, work with these more complex kind of uh, narratives that shift from character to character. And, you know, again, maybe you sacrifice something there. Because I do think those first couple films, part of what I liked about them so much was that they really did 
put you into this character. Although they were really hard to watch, <laughs> being stuck with those characters the way they were. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've rewatched. That's why I haven't watched Shames. Yeah, Shame is a tough one. I mean, honestly, I, if I remember correctly, I think when Roger Ebert reviewed it, he said it's not a film he'll ever watch again. <laughs> but he named it one of his favorite films of the yeah. year. I mean, it's 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 that kind of film where you're just yeah. like, I he achieved something. He really brought something across that you rarely see on screen, like a depiction of this kind of addiction and this kind of... Um, and also there's this family drama with, with him and uh, Carrie Mulligan, I think, plays his sister. But anyway, that um, that's really powerful, but it's really disturbing and uncomfortable. And yeah, I mean, it's not... So, it, same with 12 Years a Slave. It's a yeah, film let's talk I about that. seeing. Yeah, let's talk about 12 Years... Because Carlos sure. has not seen it, and I... I one of the things, you know, uh, that I, with that film that I always think about is I think one of the most, like, I don't know how to put this to, into words properly, but, you know, sometimes you just don't say stuff on th- Facebook because you don't want to shame people. But I remember having, a, like, a, a friend on Facebook that posted, oh, my gosh, don't see 12 Years a Slave. Such an awful, depressing movie. I can't believe it. What? Like, I mean, <laughs> when you saw the title, what did you think? Like, 12 Years a Slave, like, this was going to be a romp? Right, right. You know, no, like, that, I mean, Widows, you could mistake for, but I, although Widows well, sounds pretty bad, I mean, but, but you've used, we've yeah, used the 12 term years Widows. Slave, yeah, no, 12 like, Years a Slave, like, you should know what you're getting into. Right. It should not be pleasurable. And yet, you know, but that is a film I would watch again. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't. I, I haven't. I, I haven't either, but I, I don't rewatch it. I mean, I, I would potentially use it in in yeah. a class yeah. you know they, I, I could see the value of doing that but it'd be really hard for me to say like oh i'm in the mood to watch 12 years of slave okay I don't know. No. <laughs> well i'm just i mean would you recommend carlos watch that film I, yes oh absolutely not having seen it yeah it's 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 not that i have not wanted to see it right it's i missed it in theaters and then all the award stuff happened and after that uh, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I know this is a great movie. I know I'm going to like it. And there's not as much, um, there's not as much drawing you in. I know I'm going to watch it. I know I'm going to like it. So I already know kind of what to expect from it. And you also know it's going to be a heavy experience. Yeah, it has ex- to be. exactly. And I'm not always ready for that kind of thing. Right. The, the things that really make me like go and like watch a movie like right now, like, oh, I have to, like the things that give me the immediacy to watch a movie is when, Either I have an opinion about it and everything I'm hearing is differing from that or it's getting a lot of mixed reviews kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then I'm like, okay, I need to see what this is about. Where do I stand on this? Yeah. And I already know that I'll think 12 Years a Slave is a good movie. Like yeah. I don't have any doubt that I'm going to come out with a positive view. Of right. It, you know, so it's like one of those things that when I get to it, I'll get to it. But I, it's not that I don't want to see it. It's just that I haven't. Yeah. I think for me it would be... I th- I would personally find it useful in the classroom because it's such a clear like there's so many deliberate choices as a director that he does to get you to experience things or to view uh, ways in a way that I hadn't seen before in a film or mm-hmm. that had tried to like actually represent the realities of slavery yeah in a in a meaningful and in an artistic way um, so in that way I would like I would definitely recommend people just watch that movie in a way that I don't think from hearing what I've heard about shame or hunger, I would ever just say like, Oh yeah, you should watch that. I mean, it's 
even if it's a really heavy film, you know that going into it and it still has a kind of a, I don't know. I mean, it's got a good, good ending. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, And, and I think given that it depicts a historical period that we rarely see, depicted on film even though it's so foundational to yeah yeah the american experience and and you know again it's something we talk about but it's not something that people often want to tell stories about well that's the thing and that's why i mean i that person posting that on facebook has stuck with me because i feel like after seeing that i was thinking you know every american should have to watch this because having watched that it's how can you just like, yeah, everybody, of course, everyone's slavery is bad, but that there's a way that you can just write that off and not have to deal with it yeah. or think about it. Mm-hmm. And that movie makes it so hard yeah, um, to do that, um, you know, that I think it should be like required viewing for everyone. But at the yeah. same time, it's a really well-made film. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I no disagreement here. So I mean, it's it's really I think been interesting to see the kind of choices he's made. And as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I know he was developing a series for HBO. I, I don't know exactly what that was going to be, um, but but it did get canceled before it ever. I, I think they made the pilot, but then HBO saw it and yeah. decided that they didn't want it. Um, but it, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see wh- where he you know goes as a filmmaker next and what what he chooses to do because it's clear that he doesn't want to get pigeonholed right I mean he's he's not he obviously the first couple films he could have kept doing these really in depth character studies they were getting him awards they were getting him critical acclaim um, they were small budget films yeah. but but you know they they were getting enough audience to to justify and make back their money so you know he could have stayed on that path. But no, he's kind of opened it up and he went with this historical, you know, this period drama. Um, now he's going with a heist film. It'll be really cool to see what direction he might go to next, because I have a feeling it'll be something that I wouldn't be able to predict right now. I agree. And I'm I'm really I'm just hoping for the uh, Fassbender led musical. Yeah. Well, OK. Yes. But that, that would be fun. You know, uh, that, that I wouldn't predict that, although now you've said it. So now I would have some anticipation of it yeah that'd be amazing yeah so um what what do we think of this beer here guys it's creme brulee it's interesting drinking it back to back with the uh the oreo uh, the the double dunk i think the double dunk was much more sweet Mm um it was definitely sweeter had a little more body to it i think i'd agree with that as well this one I'm finding easier to just kind of throw back in a way. I think the nose on this one is much better. But I, yeah, exactly. G- yeah, good call. A little, I, even, I, little toast to it. Good I, call. I agree. The nose is better. 100%. I think yeah, it's you know right off the bat you you know I was getting a little of that creaminess with the double dunk, but you know this one it, it really does smell like creme brulee. It's mm-hmm. like somebody just now the flavor I'm not getting the flavor of creme brulee as much no. when I'm drinking it, but the nose it's really interesting. I, I'm getting some you of the get flavor. That? I mean, I you know, it's yeah, there's a little bit there. It's a it's a little less of the vanilla than what right. I, than I mean, it's been a little while, but my memory of a creme brulee is a lot of vanilla. Yeah, and I'm getting not as. Is much. there a place to get creme brulee in this city? Uh, there's got to be right. There's got. I don't be. know. I, I Maybe get, we should open up one. <laughs> is that creme that might be the next thing? You know, like people are into <laughs> cut, these little pet, dessert pet, shops. cupcakes, no, right? Cupcakes are old. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cupcakes are gone. Cupcakes They're, are done. Yeah. Canceled. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was cronuts for a little while. Those are kind of cronuts were huge. Yeah. But, I, 
a lot of maybe lot we're of, about uh, to go into the era of creme brulee. Hey, we could really. I mean, the trick could, would be like having a disposable cup that you could still like do the torching of it and not mm, catch fire. That's I true. think edible cup. You can just yes. down that Ooh. whole thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the nose. <laughs> All rights reserved. <laughs> the nose gives me a lot of more of like the caramel and yeah. toffee kind of yeah. notes, um, and a, a little bit of that in the flavor as well. But like I said, not as quite as vanilla right. forward but, as but I, would I will expect, say. But it's great. Not as chocolatey either. No, not at all. So it's. I mean, I think appropriate to that. It's got. It's got like a. Yeah, I'm. Get, I'm getting some of that in there. More caramel. More, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm a fan. I could. I could drink a lot of this. It's a tasty <laughs> beer. Three Nations. Super glad to have them down here in South Texas now. Yeah, hopefully. I saw. I saw a few of their beers today at our. Uh, local purveyor that i found uh, interesting they so. still have they have some more coming into the market all right i know they have that hazy they have wizard the, they yeah. have that there's a few other three nations um okay. beers over there nice. uh this this uh creme brulee was not one but some some interesting ones that i would like to that i would like to try well so, perhaps we'll bring them on to uh texas future is episodes. killing it yeah that's all i'm saying Texas, Texas breweries are killing stuff. it. Absolutely. And I saw that Ingenious is starting to try to distribute farther. They have oh, some let's kind, hope. They have some kind of crazy like disposable yeah, keg I saw type that. of situation yeah. happening. So maybe Tapology, Tapology, if you're listening to this, sponsor <laughs> the podcast, uh, get some Ingenious in there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I liked it. I like this beer. I like Steve McQueen. <laughs> I, w- I wish Michael Fassbender had been in Widows. Uh, yeah, the only, the, could the only, he have been the Liam Neeson? Yeah, <laughs> you know, why, the, why the fuck not? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he can do anything as far I as I think. I'm he, concerned. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> so with that, we should probably call this episode to an end. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, we want you to engage with us on social media. We can be found in various places. Um, Facebook.com/slash Beer in a Movie. TX? Oh my gosh. I think it's this fucking How bad? Okay. (laughs) Beer in a movie TX. It is Facebook.com slash beer in a movie movie TX. TX. Definitively, that's what it is. Okay. Um, I have verified. Um, We are beer in a movie on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Uh And then beer movie show on Twitter. I'm going to memorize this. That's right. And Um, yeah. For God's sake, tweet at me. I want to argue with all of you guys. Um, right. I wonder, I'm, I'm Dude, looking for one person out there besides me that. I was like going to say, are there some other widow haters Please. out there? That would be good. Uh, and uh, you know, just you know, throw us suggestions. I mean, the the uh, year end is coming, so certainly we'll be talking about uh, award films soon. So, do you have films that you are seeing as top contenders, or that you would like to see as Man, top? contenders? I hope some good stuff comes out real fast. <laughs> Aquaman, dude. Come on. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Mary Poppins. Across. Yeah. Hey, there we go. All right. So we'll uh, we will be talking about all these films and more in upcoming episodes. Uh, stay tuned. Rate, review, subscribe. And Especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do that shit. Secure the bag. Mm-hmm.